This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The following is a presentation of the Treasure Island Baseball Network. It's the show that goes around the horn with your Minnesota Twins with insight from the decision makers in the dugout and in the front office. It's Inside Twins. Inside Twins is sponsored by Killebrew Root Beer, locally owned and operated. It's how memories are created and legends are made. Well, good afternoon and welcome to Inside Twins. Chris Atterbury with you. I am perched high above the Coliseum playing surface here in Oakland. Another gorgeous day. A couple of uh, silky white clouds above in the blue sky as the Twins prepare to hopefully sweep the Oakland Athletics. Our show, of course, is brought to you by Killebrew Root Beer, locally owned and operated, how memories are created and legends are made. Through the wonders of technology, I am joined by, I'm sure, a very worn-out Sean Johnson, who has just been presiding over the Twins draft room over the course of the past week. And it's a yearly conversation we love to have. So, Sean, first and foremost, welcome and congratulations on another, we're going to call it a successful draft, even before we see any of these guys on the field, uh, as you had your scouts together. And uh, how many is this now for you as the trigger man? Well, Chris, great to be with you as always. Uh, this was uh, my seventh draft as, as director. I want to go back not to when you made your pick and you had three picks on the first day. This was the first year that MLB had this draft lottery system and the Twins were the biggest beneficiaries. And it has been widely reported that this was a five-player draft, five talents that were a cut above the rest of a very deep draft. Describe where you were and your reaction when you found out that you guys had leapt up into that number five spot. Well, actually, I was at I was actually at the lottery uh, at the winter meetings, which was a total thrill. I have described as kind of like I always dreamed about being on a game show one day, which I never <laughs> have been, but that's as close as I'll probably get to one. Um, so I, it was a, the only thing that gave me any signal that. We actually might have a chance to move up from 13 into the top six was a production assistant. I was sitting in the very back corner of the room. I mean, barely in the shot. Right. And then a couple production assistants come over and move a couple of plants behind me. There was kind of a bare wall behind me. And so the scouting directors around me were like, one of us is moving up to the front row or two. So, again, I, I mean, I had this weird feeling all along that we had a chance to actually make it. But the odds were weren't great but um i wrote it anyway and and it worked out so it was a thrilling night and i remember going from the lottery to dinner with our group that was there at the winter meetings and it was just really a euphoric state and a, a night i'll never forget and sean this can be a, a franchise changing changing type of moment and I know you never want to, as a scouting director, draft that high because it means your team's not doing well at the big league level. But because of this, you guys are able to jump up and have a chance to draft a phenomenal impact player. And Walker Jenkins is that guy. 
Tell us about Walker Jenkins and explain, if you could, from a scout's perspective, what all this noise has been about it being a five-player draft. Because a lot of us look around and say, hey, there's players all over the place. What do you mean it's a a five-player draft? But explain a little bit how that perception came to be. Yeah, so I'll hit on the draft first. You know, it's usually not that much of a consensus at the top of the draft. And this was billed as being a really, really good draft. And usually when they talk about the draft in those terms, it's because the first five or ten players are really have a good chance to be impactful big league players. And so I can't remember a draft in recent memory that there were five players or a certain number, more than one or two, where it felt like that was the clear gap, you know, with the between that group and then the rest of the first round. So that's how it was being framed. Again, our group never approached it as just a five, you know, player draft. We scouted you know, we had pick 34 and, and 49. So we were covering as much of that first, that top 50 as we needed to, wanted to. Obviously, we drilled down and spent a lot of time with the five that were being talked about. But just to show you how volatile the draft is, that five players, the, the five players being mentioned in July was a different five players than it was in <laughs> January. So um, things change. You have to roll with the punches. You have to stay flexible and stay nimble on the players and who's in that mix and who's not. So we worked until the very end, as we always do, kept our options open. Um, but circling back to Walker, obviously we're thrilled that he was there for us at five. And, you know, he's a special player, special human being, a great person. Um, he's going to be great, not only on the field when he gets to target field, uh, but he'll also be a great member of this community. He's just a, a stellar kid, one of the best kids you'll ever meet at this age. Uh, just an impressive 18-year-old. Um, he can really do it all. Um, he's got a great swing. He's going to chance, have a chance for real power. He can move. He's going to be a big physical man at, at maturity, but, um, you know, he, he can really throw and defend. And, and you know, I'm not going to rule out center field. If, in, in, if he plays right field, I think he'll be really good in the corner. So wherever he plays defensively, to be determined. But just a guy, you know, there's not many players in a draft that can impact the ball the game on both sides of the ball, and and Walker certainly fits that that uh, that bill. All right, he's a left-handed bat, six three, two ten, great frame. Uh, Latroy Hawkins and Michael Kadire have had him with Team USA. They refer to him as Captain America. Every time a kid gets drafted, especially out of a small high school or uh, you know that that small town feel, you hear all of the stories. Oh, he helps old ladies across the street, and he helps clean up the lunch table. There's always those stories. Now, you guys dig deeper on a kid's true character than than anybody. Give us another a, a true story, something that where it clicked for you that character-wise, Walker Jenkins was the type of guy you wanted to see as a twin. Well, I mean, we go to great lengths, as you mentioned, to do the background work. That's something our area scouts take a lot of pride in. That's something we charge them with is if the makeup's not right, doesn't matter about the talent level and the skill level uh, because it's just not going to work out. And it's not what we want to bring into our system. So we poked as many holes as we could in Walker Jenkins and every other player on the board. Uh, but you, I mean, really couldn't find anyone who had a bad word to say about Walker Obviously, we, we have an, an advantage there with um, with Cuddy and Latroy, Denny Hawking. You go on and on down the list, that, and these guys have been around. I mean, Cuddy's been with about around Walker when he was 15 years old. So you see, we've seen Walker grow up, and we've seen him change and evolve as a young man. So, uh, you know, we, we tried as hard as we could to find something negative because, 
you know, everything was such a glowing review from other players on Team USA and his high school teammates, his coaches. Anyone that's around Walker Jenkins thinks he's just as good as it gets. And it's funny, that sounds a lot like Brooks Lee. And frankly, it sounds a lot like Michael Kadire back when he was an 18-year-old kid uh, coming out of high school uh, in Virginia. Physically as a player, I know comps are, are kind of out the window. Everybody's their own unique guy. But for fans listening today to try to get an idea of what you envision the possibilities are for this 18-year-old kid, uh, what type of player physically, body-wise, does, does he remind you of? And what type of skill set maybe of a big league player that people know would he remind you of? Yeah, and Chris, I've told you, I'm not good. I think comps are really dangerous. I think Walker Jenkins should just be Walker Jenkins one day, and that's what people will say. But he reminds you of a lot of good-looking, you know, big league outfielders, just a, a great body um, who can move. He's so nimble for his size. And, um, again, he can do everything. I know the, the one that's thrown out there the most that I'll never use is Larry Walker because I think a Hall of Fame comp's really that's dangerous and not fair to yeah. Walker. <laughs> But he's going to be a big physical guy like Larry Walker. I'm not saying he's going to be that player. That would be a great outcome. But um, I'm not good with the comms because I just think I don't really believe in them uh, because I think they're fairly dangerous in our process. So, but he he's going to. I mean, he could step on a big league park, you know, tonight and look and look like he fits in and like he's already been there. Now, we can't wait to meet him. It's going to be fun to have him around and watch his journey. Before we finish up our, our first segment with Sean Johnson, the Twin Scouting Director, uh, give some love to the area scout that has his name on this young man. Yeah, so Ty Dawson's our, our area scout in the Carolinas. He covers both North and South Carolina. And obviously no one's more excited about drafting Walker Jenkins and Ty. He spent so much time. Uh, he lives up near the Raleigh area and made the trek down. You know, it's south of Wilmington. In North Carolina, he made that drive a, a bunch of times and spent a lot of time getting to know Walker and his awesome family. And and so to see, to be able to to draft Walker, and Ty was the first call I made and just, you know, thanked him for all the work he did because these things don't work out well without a great area scout, you know, leading the charge. Yeah, and Ty also had a kid drafted number 14 for you. That was Xander Hamilton out of App State. So, again, it all starts with the area scouts, Terry Ryan, uh, who we're going to hear from on our pregame lineup card today, uh, tells us we treat area scouts as if they're the most important person in the organization because in so many ways they are. So congratulations to Ty Dawson. We're talking with Sean Johnson. We have just begun here on Inside Twins. We'll take a break. Obviously, Walker Jenkins gets the headlines, but a lot of other names to talk about and introduce you to when we return to Inside Twins, brought to you by Killebrew Root Beer on your home for Twins Baseball. This is Inside Twins, brought to you by Killebrew Root Beer, locally owned and operated, how memories are created and legends are made. We've talked about the fifth overall pick, Walker Jenkins, but you guys had a bounty of early picks, Sean, and you spread it around there on on day one, you picked yourself up a, a talented high school pitcher and also a college bat. Yeah, so Charlie Soto was our pick at, at number 34. Um, he's a kid out of Florida, very young for his age, um, 6'3", 210 or so. Um, he's got three quality pitches. We've seen him since last summer, uh, run it up to mid to upper 90s, uh, but he's got a, a really quality slider. And an advanced changeup, and our guys were raving about him this spring. Uh, the scouts that saw him early really liked him, and, and we tracked him all the way through. A guy we hope would be around at 34, and at our second pick, and and he was, and we're really really thrilled to have him. And then what about uh, the Arizona State infielder then in the second round? Yeah, Luke Keishel, uh, a guy we took 
uh, with our, our third pick of the night, um, a college performer, um, kid who started his career at University of San Francisco, transferred to Arizona State this spring, and he's hit all the way through at every every level in summer ball. Um, a, a, kid who's, a kid who's a really dynamic athlete. He can play multiple positions. He's going to have some power. He had 18 home runs this spring, um, and we think it's going to translate with a wood bat. And uh, just a, a guy who can really fly around the diamond uh, where he plays when he gets to tar- you know, the big leagues to be determined. But a high-quality kid with, right, we think, special um, makeup traits and instincts to play the game, really knows his swing, knows his whole game. Uh, love his attitude. A guy we really connected with at the combine this year, and and a guy we were hopeful to get, and we're glad we got him on night one. Yeah, he's from Watsonville, California, just down the road here in the Bay Area, the artichoke capital of the world, by the way, Watsonville, That's California. Right. So you you got it mixed up, a high school outfielder. Uh, you got yourself a pitcher, and then on day one, rounded out with a college bat. What's it like between picking at five, and as you said watching names tick off before 34 and 49 and hoping that your targets are still there. How nerve wracking is that? Yeah, it, it's, it's uh, I don't know if it's nerve wracking, but there's a lot of anxiousness because there's, there's a lot of players there that, you know, every player on the board and the first 50 names on our board, we're really attached to by, by at this point, we thought a lot about them being twins and you want to get all of them. Obviously you think they're the best players in that crop, but, um, so it's really, you're at the mercy of how the names come off the board. And so all the planning we did all week long leading up to it is really what we're doing. We're stacking our board in the, in the, in the list that we think feels right. And then we're also preparing for if this player is here at 34 and, uh, which ones are we taking between these two or three? And we're trying to just guess and run some mock drafts. So basically preparing ourselves. So when the draft actually happens, We've already kind of mentally experienced it uh, before it hits us. So that's proven to be pretty good. And we just try to plan as, as, as much as we can all week long so that we're ready for all the different outcomes that come our way. And it seems simple. You line them up and you go through the line, but you're also balancing signability. Uh, if we take this guy here, we have a little more money to spend there, things of that nature. On that aspect of it, which is not nearly as fun to talk about, it's just the kids and how talented they are, do you feel that, in particular, these first three guys are signable, expect to sign quickly, and that there will be enough money to dip into the back half of the draft and and, and lure some talent into the organization? Yeah, we fully expect to sign everyone in the first 10 rounds uh, and then right. also beyond that, a good chunk of those those players as well. So, um, you know, step one's always just drafting them. The next step is get them all signed up. And, you know, we have another 10 days or so to get that done. And and um, I think most of our most of our crew is, you know, getting there and going to be showing up for mini camp down in Fort Myers this week. So it's an exciting time for our player development to get to know these players that we just drafted and and get them on boarded. You know, day one obviously is a thrill, and those are big names, and those are guys that get a lot of attention even as they work through the minor leagues. But day two, man, that is where organizations can really make their hay. And you alluded to it. This was a deep draft. Uh, you made a handful of picks on day two, and you were all over college kids. You had a couple of high school kids in there, though. It was primarily a college day on day two. Do you like the depth there rounds three through ten this year? Yeah, 100%. We felt great about all the picks we made there. Again, you know, day one gets all the hype, but day two is, and day, day three to that that same effect, are very important to our staff. We want to try to make good picks all the way through 20. 
Uh, we're not going to just stop with the first three or whatever we get on night one. That's how we hopefully separate ourselves from other teams uh, by having a really deep draft. You know, it's it's not a lock that you know even your first rounder makes it to the big leagues. No team just runs the table there. Um, so when you when you get a Louis Varland uh, or a Bailey Ober out of day three, um, that's a that's a real success story because that's a lot harder to do. And that that's goes back to our area scouts knowing these players' makeups that because you need special makeup to make it if you're a day three draft. And then you also have to have complete trust in player development. Uh, so many people touch these players from the time we draft them to the time our fans see them on on TV. A lot of people have impacted these players in a positive way and help push them through the system. So it, it's a really a team effort. And um, it's not just one person getting the credit here. It's, a, it's all of us. That's the voice of Sean Johnson. We'll take one final break here on Inside Twins, brought to you by Killebrew Root Beer, locally owned and operated, how memories are created and legends are made. We're back with more draft chat with Sean Johnson next on your home for Twins Baseball. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. Chris Atterbury back in Oakland. Sean Johnson with me as well on Inside Twins post-draft edition brought to you by Killebrew Root Beer, locally owned and operated how memories are created and legends are made. Twins bidding for a sweep of the athletics here in Oakland today. We'll have the pregame lineup card coming up next, followed by Baseball by the Bay. Sean, I want to talk to you about one guy in particular. I love the day three guys, and I always try to pick out a few and kind of you know put a little star by their name and track them along the way. And when you throw down a guy named Paul Sean Pasqualato, he is instantly vaulting to the top of my board. Tell me about Paul Sean Pasqualato. Well, the the irony is his actual birth name, I think, is Paul Sean Pasqualato. So the fact that he just goes with Paul Sean, I love it. I think that that's going to give him great energy as he's a pro. Mm -hmm. um, but he's a guy who's missed some time with injury. Um, but he's got really, really, he's got a good fastball, good changeup. Um, his breaking balls, I, we think we can do some things with and and get him on track. But he's it's rare to find a draft that's out there on day three that you feel like can be a starting pitcher. And, and he is one of those pitchers that we think can evolve and, and get on that track. So um, him and, and most of the players we took on day three were pitchers. They all have different characteristics, unique pitches, um, some good pitch shapes uh, from a uh, an analyst uh, perspective and our scouts all vouch for the makeup and what and our players that are our, our scouts wanted so putting those things together and, and trying to hit with all those boxes is kind of hard to do on day three but we, we think we did it yeah and i'm looking at a couple jeremy lee and also hector garcia you know 510 511 right-handed pitchers that's that's something different for a long time you wouldn't see that uh right-handed pitchers at that stature there was this idea you had to be six four six five yeah, I mean, uniqueness is a is something we look for in some of these play, pitchers down the board. But um, you know, there's plenty of five ten pitchers on in the big leagues, and there's mm -hmm. a lot of six four ones. It's obviously, you know, when you're drafting up towards the top, you know, there's the rare Sunny Grays, and and 
you know, sh- shorter stature, big league pitchers that you're willing to take the risk on there. But um, we've we've had success with with both both heights, the five ten guys and the six four guys. Yeah, and uniqueness is key. You know, everybody's different, and you can, if you've got the pitches and you can compete, then you've got a a shot. Now I'm sitting next to a guy who didn't get drafted and ended up winning two World Series rings, and I know only twenty rounds now, so it doesn't stop after that last pick is made. How active have you guys been with uh, non drafted free agents? Yeah, so you know, there were a few few pitchers that we just ran out of time that we didn't get a chance to select. So the thing you have to do is deal with, you know, that these players are dealing with not being drafted right away. And some are likely to go back to school or go to college or whatever it may be. Uh, So we kind of just put the feelers out and check in with a few of the pitchers that were on our board. And and we end up, we've, we've signed two extra pitchers and two catchers just to get, you know, Drew McPhail and his group, so they have a full roster and they have enough catching to handle all this pitching we just drafted. And um, so we're, we're in good shape there. And I know some teams haven't signed many p- pitchers or players after the draft and some have signed a lot. So we're probably falling right in, that, in the middle of that. Now, Sean, congratulations to you and all of your group from the area scouts across checkers all the way on up. Put in a lot of miles, a lot of hours, a lot of time away from home for draft day. And then they go out the next day and they start up on the next crop. So I know there's not a whole lot of rest for you guys, but congratulations on another draft. And we look forward to watching the journey of the young men uh, that you guys have brought into the organization. Well, I appreciate that, Chris. Again, a joy to be with you. All right, that's Sean Johnson. Always great to have Sean uh, talking about the draft process. And again, the Twins wrap up the draft with 21 total players, 13 right-handed pitchers, two lefties, couple infielders, four outfielders, and again, uh, six high school players, 15 out of college. If you want to dice them all up, going to be great to watch uh, in the coming weeks as they not only uh, sign on the dotted line, but also get out there and put on a Twins uniform for the very first time. That's going to do it for Inside Twins, but we're just getting started from Oakland. We've got the pregame lineup card coming up next. Danny and I will be standing by to join Lexi. And then, of course, we've got baseball by the Bay as the Twins try to sweep the Oakland Athletics and uh, open up the second half of the season out of the All-Star break with three consecutive wins. They haven't swept a three-game series here since 1997. This has been Inside Twins right here on your home for Twins Baseball. You have been listening to Inside Twins, brought to you by Killebrew Root Beer, locally owned and operated. It's how memories are created and legends are made. This has been a presentation of the Treasure Island Baseball Network.